we're here, we talked about boldness, how it's, it's, it's reflected in the things that we pray about. Because what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. Bold prayers reflect a, a, a belief in a big God, a God who cares for us, and a God who hears us, and a God who answers our prayer. Bold prayers, we said, were our prayers of faith, not despair, not of hopelessness, but of confidence and prayers of faith. And they're prayers of expectation. And today, we're going to talk about the effect that boldness has on the things that we say. We're going to talk about bold speaking. And here's our main thought for today. It's, it's, it's in your, uh, you can fill it out in your outline. Our main thought for today is we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And we see that in the early church. It becomes evident as you read through the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. It's like, you know, if you ever want to do something really, you know, interesting, really cool, exciting, read the gospel of Luke. And then as soon as you finish that, go right into and read through the book of Acts. Because it's like part one and part two. Luke is the one, he was a physician and he wrote both books. He wrote the gospel of, of Luke and then he picked up where that left off and wrote to a guy named Theophilus, wrote the book of Acts telling about all the, the thing, amazing things of the, of the early church and, and, and it's a history of the early church uh, after the resurrection. And... and we see that the church is full of boldness because the early church was passionate about their faith. I mean, their belief in Jesus ran deep. They not only believed that he had been crucified, I mean, everybody knew that. Everybody around knew that. It, was, it, it made the news. And they only not only believed that, though, but they had a deep belief, a conviction, that he, on the third day he rose from the dead that he was crucified and then he rose from the dead and that belief is what empowered their lives. That belief, that deeply held belief uh, and conviction is what emboldened their speech. And I want to look at, start off this morning just by looking at a couple of or a few examples from the book of Acts. Let's start off with Saul. Saul, as you know, later became the, the, the great apostle Paul. But at this point, Saul, he'd, he'd, he'd quickly gained a reputation as a persecutor of the church. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death, and, and uh, uh, he, he was giving approval of that. Then he took it on himself to go on a one-man mission throughout Jerusalem to persecute the church, to, to go to believers, break into their homes, arrest them, throw them, in, you know, have them thrown into prison. And, and uh, uh, he, he's doing that all throughout Jerusalem. And then one day he decides to expand his operations to Damascus. And he's on his way there. He's, he's going to Damascus. And on the way there, he had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And that just rocked his world. Totally rocked his world. And suddenly Saul, who we now know as Paul, began to boldly proclaim that Jesus the Messiah that Jesus was the Messiah everywhere he went. He went from throwing people in jail for, for, for talking about Jesus to now going and boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus and that he is the Messiah. It was such a dramatic turnaround that at first the disciples, uh, the, the apostles, they were hesitant to believe it. They didn't believe it. They thought it was a trap. 
You know, they thought it was a trap. And, and, and then, then a guy named Barnabas stood up, uh, uh, came alongside him and stood up for him and convinced them that, no, this guy's the real deal. He's had a change. Jesus has changed his life. He is now one of us. He is the real deal. And then the disciples accepted him. And then in Acts 9.28 it says, So Saul stayed with them, st- stayed with the disciples, and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Uh, you know, which is it's interesting. He's f- moving about freely in Jerusalem, the very place, the very place where, um, uh, where he had been arresting people. Now he's going around town and says what? Speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And then in Acts 14, we see Paul and Barnabas. They were in Iconium, speaking at the synagogues about Jesus. And many people, both Jews and Gentiles, believed in Jesus. But there were also those who refused to believe, who were were stirring up opposition against him, but that didn't deter them at all. Acts 14.3 says, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly from the Lord, not just sneaking away and, 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 you know, hey, come here, let me tell you about something, you know. But no, speaking boldly for Jesus. We also saw last week that when the disciples prayed after Peter and John had been thrown in jail and after they'd been threatened. In Acts 4.31 it says that they prayed and that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It was a bold church. I mean, they were convinced of the truth of Jesus' resurrection. Not just at an intellectual level, but at a heart level. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Now, Give a quick review for anybody that wasn't here the last week or so. Um, um, Peter and John, we've talked about this experience a lot, but they had an amazing experience. They're going into the temple one day. They're walking in for prayer, and as they're walking into the temple, a man is sitting there begging for money. Now, this guy had been there. He's he like 40 years old, and, and he'd been there every day. Every day at the temple, you know, everybody saw him. Everybody knew the guy begging for money. He, he, he looks at Peter and John. Hey, can you spare some money? Can you spare some coin? You know, give me, you know, I, I, I haven't eaten today, whatever. You know, he, he, he's there with a, uh, you know, a, a cardboard sign saying, God bless, you know. And, and he's looking for, you know, he's looking at him for money. And, and Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have any money to give you, but I do have something else. And what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up. His, le- his legs and his ankles were strengthened. He was healed and he started running around, as the Bible says, uh, uh, leaping and jumping and praising God. Or, or, you know, he's, he's just going around, just, just completely, completely healed. The religious leaders, when they saw this, they were infuriated. They were, they, they were, they were uh, uh, so mad, so they had Peter and John arrested and thrown into prison. Now the next day they brought them out and they interrogated them, you know, trying to threaten them and trying to intimidate them. But the thing is, the religious leaders, you know, they, they, they became even more worried because Peter and John weren't backing down. They were sticking with their story, and they weren't showing any signs of backing down. So the leaders wanted to get rid of him, but they had this problem. 
there's this guy who everyone in town knew. Everyone knew him as, as being crippled and, and unable to walk. And now he's running around, walking and running all over town. And so, so they were trapped. I mean, they didn't know what to do. So we pick up in, in Acts 4, verse 16, it says that the, the, the religious leaders are talking among themselves, and they say, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. I mean, here's the religious leaders trying to shut it down, and it's something that they can't deny, let alone anybody else in town. They have a problem. They don't know what to do about it. This guy was totally healed. So, you know, 40 years, everybody knew him as crippled, and now he's, he's running all over the place. What are you going to do with that? So uh, let, me just, let me just pause a minute and point something out. There will always be those, there will always be people who, in spite of the evidence right before their eyes, refuse to believe. Always. Evidence is right in front of them. There will always be those who refuse to believe. But on the other hand, there are also always people who are looking for something to believe in, something that is sure, something that is definite, something that they can, that they can uh, uh, bank their lives on something that they can give their lives to, something that they can give their lives for. They're looking for a, a, a reason to believe. And that's why we need to never stop speaking the word with boldness. Because while there may, yes, there will always be those who refuse to believe, you know, uh, uh, no matter what, there will always be those also that are looking for someone to believe in, something to believe in. So, so, you know, and about 2,000 found the reason that day, you know, and the, but, but the leaders still felt threatened, so they, they couldn't let it continue. So they said, to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this, name, in this name, thinking, you know, maybe it'll just go away, you know. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the, at all in the name of Jesus. Don't mention his name at all. Don't teach about him. Don't speak. Don't, you know, don't even mention his name. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about that which we have seen and heard. We can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We've, we've seen and we know too much to be quiet. We're past that point, past the point of no return. We believe too deeply to be quiet. And because we believe so deeply, we have to speak boldly. Because we believe deeply, we can't help but to speak boldly. This morning, I want to give you four areas where we as believers need to speak boldly. First one, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but speak boldly to myself. The first area to speak boldly to is yourself. There are times, often, when we need to speak boldly to ourselves. To ourselves. In 1 Samuel 30, 
David was distressed. King David, he was distressed, he was discouraged. His men, his supporters, the guys that had gathered around him when King Saul was chasing him, they, were, they had become upset, they were disillusioned, they were disappointed, and they spoke of stoning him. And verse 6 says, David was greatly, uh, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, but, that's, circle that word, but, because this tells us David's response, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Some translations say he strengthened himself. The word in Hebrew means both things, has both meanings. Because when we encourage ourselves, we strengthen ourselves, right? When you're encouraged about something, you're, you're, you're strengthened, you're stronger. So it's got both. So how do we encourage ourselves? We speak bold truth over ourselves. We speak the truth over ourselves. We do it boldly. We can do that with songs. Just think about a couple of the songs that we sang this morning. Let me bring up a couple of lyrics. I am found. I am yours. I am loved. I'm made pure. I have life. I can breathe. I am healed. I am free. Here's my heart, Lord. Another song. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Um, I mean, I mean the, the songs that we sing. We sing songs of proclamation, songs of declaration over ourselves, and we are encouraged. And when, you, when we started singing that song, we started singing uh, uh, Living Hope, you could sense the encouragement in the room. You could sense just the Spirit of God just rising up in people. So we do that with, with songs that we sing. We also do that with, with, uh, 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 by boldly speaking truth over ourselves, uh, uh, making a verbal proclamation of truth. Where we speak what we know God says about us uh, over ourselves. We did this, I think it was last week in, in School of Kingdom Ministry. And we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do this right now. I want everybody to stand. I want everybody to stand for this. We've got some words that are going to be on the, the, the screen here. And I want us to read through this together. We are boldly proclaiming truth over ourselves. I want to read this together. I want us to proclaim this. I want us to proclaim it with boldness, with confidence, paying attention to the things that we're saying. <clears throat> Here we go. Everybody start with me. I am a child of the King. I am a co-heir with Jesus. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is passed away. All things have become new. I am in Jesus Jesus is in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I am united with Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. I died with him. 
I was buried with him. I was raised with him. I am now seated with him in the heavenlies, far above all rule, all authority, all power, and above every name that is named. Therefore, I carry the authority of Christ. I have authority over sickness, over sin, over demons, over storms, over poverty, and over this world. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I displace the darkness because I am the light. I have the full armor of God. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the belt of truth. I put on the helmet of salvation. I wear the sandals of peace. I take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. For the weapons of my warfare, they are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful to tear down the imaginations, the lies, and the strongholds of darkness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I am a child of God, I am a son of the King. I am led by the Spirit. All things, all things, all things work together for my good because I am loved of God and I am called according to His purpose. I have a destiny. I am going to heaven, but in the meantime, I have an assignment and that is bringing heaven to earth. Thank God that I am His, and the truth of His Word about me is what I stand on today. Amen. 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 <laughs> Have a seat again. I want you to notice something. When we were doing that, when we were saying that, how did you feel? Did you feel encouraged after that? I've been doing that every day this, this week, and, and as I've been doing that, I, I, I'm encouraged every single time as I get through that. Every one of those statements is a truth from the Word of God. Every single one. When you speak God's truth over yourself, it encourages you. When we finished making those statements, we felt encouraged. There are times we need to, to encourage ourselves. When life is hitting us from every direction, when we're in the middle of it, we need to stand up and boldly proclaim God's truth over ourselves. So get into God's Word. Find out what it says about you. Begin to make those statements. Not excuses, not saying, I don't feel this, I don't feel that, but what about this or what about that? No. Find out what God's Word says. Proclaim that over yourself. Proclaim the truth of God over your, over your life. I heard another pastor I was listening to this week make the statement. Rufus Smith made this statement. says, the truest thing about me is what God says and not how I feel, nor what other people say about me. Did you catch that? The truest thing about me is what God says, and not how I feel, and not what other people say about me. And that is so true. So speak God's word boldly to yourself, or over yourself. 
replace the accusations that are always coming in, replace the faulty thinking that the enemy has convinced us of, replace that, replace the things that the world system is bombarding us with, replace it with God's truth. Second, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but encourage you. Christians should be the most encouraging people on the planet. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as, the, as long as it is called today. Encourage one another daily. Every day we should be encouraging each other. Our everyday speech would be, should be filled with encouragement. It should mark how we speak to each other. It should mark how we speak to our kids, how we speak to our spouses. Encouragement should be the atmosphere of every church. Encouragement should be the atmosphere of every believer's home. Encouragement should be the atmosphere of every believer's sphere of uh, where, where they are in their workplace. It may not be in the rest of the workplace, but around every believer. There should be a tra an attraction for every believer because every time we are around them, we are encouraged. I mean, can you imagine if that were the case? Because we live in a world where people are continually trying to build themselves up by tearing others down. Right? People are continually trying to build each other up by tearing others down. Can you imagine what difference it would make if every believer would make a conscious effort to build others up? Our words have more impact on those around us than we know. And when we really believe something, when we really believe that, it will change the way we communicate to the people around us, our kids, our spouses, our co-workers, everyone. One of my favorite people in the New Testament, I love this guy. I've already talked about him. His name is Barnabas. Barnabas. If you look at Acts 4.36, it tells us that his real name was Joseph. Barnabas' real name was Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. How would you like to have a reputation like that? Hey, here comes son of encouragement. Awesome. Can't wait to talk to him. People see you coming and, you know, I, I, man, I love being around him because I always feel so encouraged every time I walk away from him. I always feel so encouraged. That's the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to be one that people come to and talk and then they feel discouraged when they leave. I want to be known as someone who lifts people up because at the core of my being is a belief that goes much deeper than anything that I may be going through at the moment. I want to say that again. I want to be known as one who lifts people up because at the core of my belief, or at the core of, of, of my being, is a belief that goes much deeper than anything I may be going through at the moment. I want to be one that can encourage others. Thirdly, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lovingly correct you. Whoa, did he just say that? Yes, I did. Lovingly correct you. Now, hold on. I know none of us like this one, right? Who just wakes up every day and says, Man, I hope somebody comes along and just corrects me today. Josh, I can always count on you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nobody likes it. 
And we live in a culture that constantly bombards us with a message that says, if you disagree with me, it means that you hate me. Right? Isn't that the message of our culture? If you disagree with me, then they, that means you hate me. So we're not really all that excited about correction, this whole area. Our culture also tells us that if, if we don't agree with, with so, something that someone is doing, that we're judging them. Right? Both those things simply are not true. Not true. It's one reason it's so important to get into God's word for ourselves so that we can see what it really says. For one thing, people are quick to point out Matthew 7, where Jesus said what? Judge not, lest you be judged. Right? How many have had, you know, say, hey, you can't judge me. Jesus said, don't judge, right? Don't judge me. Is that the whole picture, though? No. Some of you don't know what the whole picture is, but you agreed because you know that that could have been a trick question. <coughs> Here's the rest of the picture. John chapter 7, verse 24. You'll see Jesus also said, Stop judging by mere appearances, but what? But instead, judge correctly. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Also, if you look in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, it says, In those days Israel had no king. Now, if you read through the book of Judges, this is the theme verse, because they continually went through a cycle of, of they, were, they were oppressed and beaten down. A deliverer came, raised them up, and rescued them. Things were going well for a little while, and then they, they uh, were, came under oppression again, and, and uh, you know, and uh, to deliver, they called out to God, a deliverer came again, was raised up, delivered them, and then the, this cycle, this constant cycle as you read through the book of Judges. You know why? It's because of Judges 21, 25. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. See, nobody could tell them anything. I'm going to do what I want. You're not the boss of me. You can't tell me how many times I heard that from one of my kids. You're not the boss of me. All right. I'm really going to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm really going to get in trouble. That was a long time ago, though. Long time ago. So there is a place to stand up and say to someone, you're making a mistake. I'm concerned about the choices that you've been making recently. Can we talk? There is a place for that. When you believe deeply that somebody is sabotaging their life with their choices, then you need to be able to be bold and lovingly correct them. Talk to them. Reason with them. Maybe hold an intervention. But do so gently and in a spirit of love and in an attitude of humility. And that's the key right there. We've got to learn to do it like that. If we just get up and start shouting at people and saying they're all wrong and putting them down and I'm right, you're wrong, get with the program. Nobody's going to listen. That's not God. That's, that's totally abusing 
what God calls us to do, but when we can lovingly go to them and in gentleness. Galatians talks about if anyone is caught, is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, gently correct them. Gently go to them. Spirit of love and gentleness and humility because but for the grace of God, that's me. And if we ever think we're above something, watch out because we're setting ourselves up for fall. So we go in the right spirit to lovingly correct. And when someone comes to you, when someone comes to you with a correction, says, Dave, I've got some concerns. Can we talk? Then we need to remember Proverbs 27, 6. Remember this verse. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend. Those hard things that a friend will say to you. They will say to you because they love you, because they, they care about you, because they're concerned about you. Wounds from a friend. The hard things that we don't want to say that a friend boldly comes with love and gentleness and humility speaks truth to our lives then. Those can be trusted. Those can be trusted. We all need people in our lives. People to whom we have given permission to speak into our lives. And when they do, then we need to listen. And when we see something, we need to be bold enough to be able to speak Examining our own lives first, examining our motives, and doing it in the right way. But we need to be able to have bold correction. And the bold does not mean obnoxious. Bold does not mean loud. Bold does not, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's in gentleness and love and humility. I'm not talking about our critics. I'm talking about people with whom we have relationship with, people that we trust. Sometimes other people can see things that we can't. One more thing. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lead you toward Christ. I can't help but point you to Him. I can't help but tell you about Him. It's because Peter and John believed so deeply. Because they were so fully convinced that Jesus rose from the dead as He told them He would. That he, that, that he is who he said he was. That they were able to, to face the religious leaders and say, you can do whatever you want to us. You can put us in jail. You can flog us. You can throw, you know, torture us, whatever you want. You can kill us. But we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. The more convinced you are of the truth of Jesus the more compelled you will be to tell others about him. And again, use wisdom. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to be in someone's face. You don't have to scream at them, turn or burn or anything like that. It's in love because we care for the person. If your view of Jesus is that he's just someone to help make your life better, say the right prayers, pull the arm, all the things end up the same, jackpot. Oh, wow, that's great. If that's your view of Jesus, 
it's totally wrong view. If he's just a quick fix to fix your problems, then you're not going to be very bold in telling others about him or any of the other things we talked about. But if you're really convinced that he is who the Bible says he is, he is the creator of the world. He's a prototype, the prototype for true humanity. He is our only hope and Savior. And if you really know how lost you were without him, you wouldn't be able to keep from telling others about him no matter what you were threatened with. I want you to take just a moment. Write down what bold words do you need to speak to yourself today? What bold words do you need to speak to yourself? In other words, if you say, well, I don't know. What, what do I need here? What are the lies the enemy has been telling you? Okay, then what's the opposite of that that God says? Because the enemy tells us lies. So what is the truth that God says in that area? What bold words do you need to speak to yourself? You don't have to have the wording just right. Just write down the, the thought and then look up the scriptures later. Is there somebody in your life that needs to hear bold words of correction or encouragement from you? Somebody you've been concerned about the, the, um, some choices they've been making and you know they're not healthy. And you've been wondering about do I say something? How do I say something? Now, it's important. Check your own heart first. Check your motives and go in the right attitude. But sit down and talk. And the more relationship you have with that person, the better that will be. And remember, if somebody comes to you, receive it. Even if you don't agree with it, thank them, receive it, and then pray about it. Who do you know that needs to know Christ? Has God been speaking to you? Has he been impressing in you to start up a conversation about him? You say, oh, I can't. I'm not that bold of a person. Be that bold of a person. Do it in the right way. Show them that you care. Show them that you love them say look there's been something on my heart that I've wanted to talk to you about for a while can we talk I like to share a part of my life that's really important to me and just share your story let's have the worship team come up Boldness is not, we're not talking about personality. Some people just have a bold personality. You can be the most quiet person that you know and still be 
filled with boldness because it has to do with the confidence that we have because of our deep belief. Behavior that's born out of confidence. Let's close our eyes and pray. Simple prayer. Lord, as the disciples in the early church prayed and asked for boldness, we ask for boldness now. Boldness to speak, to speak truth. Speak truth over ourselves. Speak truth to others. Speak truth of correction when it's needed. Speak truth in telling others about you. Fill our hearts with a conviction. Conviction of what is true. And a boldness. Fill our mouths with boldness, Lord. That we cannot keep from speaking what we know to be true. What we've seen and we've heard. We need it, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with boldness in Jesus' name. Amen.